0: I'm Tim Rasmussen, and you're listening to Pop Violence. Welcome, listeners, and thank you so much for engaging with another installment of Pop Violence. Before I get into the content of today's podcast, I want to make the sort of classic and annoying request for everybody. To please go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much for a small up-and-coming podcast like this to have good reviews and ratings on Apple. So that would mean so much to me if uh, you could take a little bit of time and do that. I'm excited for today's episode. Today's podcast going to be welcoming. What's going? What what has been? my personal favorite guest so far and probably will be my favorite guest for the entirety of my career as a podcaster that's because it's my favorite person it's my partner bailey rasmussen is going to be joining me on the podcast today and so we're talking about the film mary magdalene and i brought bailey on because we've sort of been walking this journey of grappling with and critiquing and connecting with our own spirituality and religion together for the last five or six years. And we wanted to talk a little bit about that in relation to this film and get into different ways that the film and the story of Mary and our own journey relate to ways of understanding religion and religious violence, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to give a bit of a content warning here that yesterday, we're going to be talking about religion and in connection with that, we're going to be talking about violence and discrimination against women and queer people and sort of just patriarchal and overall problematic hierarchies, situations and structures. So just put that out there for anyone listening to be prepared to hear some things about that. And without further ado, I just want to say thank you for listening once again and hope you enjoy. Thank you for being here, Bailey.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is exciting. This is fun. We are here together coming to the pop violence listeners from Las Vegas, Nevada.
1: Yes.
0: And you want to do a a land acknowledgement in connection with that?
1: Yes. Yes. We are here together, which is kind of fun being able to do this podcast together on um native land that was stolen from the indigenous people of the Western Shoshone, Southern Paiute, and Chemehuevi people. And um, we acknowledge. We acknowledge that we acknowledge the the harm caused to them and we also acknowledge the indigenous people that still live on this land. Um, and and that's my land acknowledgment.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That's important. That's good. A good way for us to start off here. Obviously, we're here. We're talking about um, Mary Magdalene, the movie. And um, I also want to acknowledge, I guess we want to acknowledge, we always in pop violence, kind of given like a blanket approach. Always trying to make sure that I approach everything with a mindset of, you know, that nothing I say is ever matter of fact, or the end all be all, and, and hoping that people are aware of you know my own positionality and my own sort of place in in all the things that I talk about, and especially this week, I think, as we talk about issues that are really really sensitive to a lot of people regarding their spirituality and their religion, and also the the feminist side of that as well, and acknowledging what sort of uh, what sort of privilege that I carry and and also that you carry into a conversation where we're talking about uh feminism um so i definitely want to make sure that you know that's like up front and center that you know nothing that i say is necessarily going to be the the end all be all or i guess um authoritative on any of these things but definitely want to open the conversation and hopefully uh, have a dialogue that's going to be meaningful um for you know increasing or uh increasing awareness and just sort of sharing perspectives about what we can in relation to Mary Magdalene and also the other scripture that is going to come up in the conversation.
1: Yeah. And just to echo, you know, what you've said, Tim, I also want to acknowledge my positionality and privilege in this conversation. And yeah, this is a really um, heavy and intense topic and, and hopefully, you know, it'll be grounding as much as it is inspiring and hopefully in some ways eye-opening and and maybe mm-hmm. in some ways like con- connection building mm-hmm. would love for that to come out of it but but yeah just going back to the positionality and privilege um just want to name and acknowledge that you know i'm coming i'm speaking from a perspective of a white cisgendered uh, female that identifies as a woman um in american culture and and even more specific than that from the mormon or lds faith um yeah. so so yeah i realized that my experiences do not mirror everyone else's um and and just want to acknowledge that i don't speak for everyone
0: yeah definitely and i'm glad you brought the mormon thing too because i think that I also just hope that we uh, don't come across necessarily like we're just trying to just like bash the Mormon Church or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or anything like that. Um, but, you know, in in doing this podcast, I knew that um, I wanted to have at least one episode that was really primarily focused on a religious uh, element. In relation to the main themes of the podcast, which is you know using pop culture to talk about systemic violence and talk about oppression and to talk about peace and conflict and justice and and all those things, and I knew that I wanted to have one that was primarily about religion because it's been such a big part of my life. My upbringing was you know I mean religion was the, the main pillar, um, and and I think that religion in in that conversation about justice and peace and conflict and oppression and systemic violence is a huge piece in that as well. And and we've talked about religion a little bit on some previous episodes of pop violence. Like the first episode, we touched on it really briefly about the Truman show. It comes up a lot in Les Miserables, um, which was the fourth episode of pop violence. And so it's been touched on. We've talked about it a little bit. We're going to really like get into it today from a very specific perspective. a very specific perspective in relation to Mary Magdalene, but it's also going to be, uh, this is also not an area that either of us are necessarily experts at. And, you know, neither of us are theologians. Um, I've studied theology a little bit. You've studied theology a little bit. Um, We've both studied peace building. You have a degree in peace building. I have a degree in peace building. So, yeah, we're really, and you know we're both from that Mormon background. So we're really just coming at this. it's it's a little anecdotal. It's a little bit um, just exploratory for us, even, but we're really trying to talk about, you know how a story like this one, Mary Magdalene, is really meaningful. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to say sort of in that line of thought.
1: No, I think that's great. It sounds kind of like the cherry on top before we delve into the Sunday. <laughs> it's gonna be great. The Sunday yeah the sunday that has a cherry on top
0: oh you said sunday and i was cuz i'm like thinking about religious things oh. i thought you were talking about like the like like the sunday like
1: Sorry. because this is what happens when i try to be witty it just never it never works
0: no so. well i saw like a tweet recently that was like a quote of like a, a, a lds general authority that was like um no matter how dark the Friday, always remember that in three days comes the Sunday, like in reference, like Easter.
1: Yes.
0: And I was, and so I thought that's what you're talking about. I was like, what are you well, talking about? Well, honestly
1: it works. So maybe that's Maybe my wittiness, well, it landed. Okay. Yeah.
0: Maybe in the end. Yeah. Um, but no, like, and then that's another piece of this whole thing too, is that, you know, we're, we're doing this intentionally. I'm doing this close to Easter and uh, Passover just happened. And so, know i think religion's on people's mind a little bit and i think that this has been a really challenging year i i know it definitely has in the lds world Mm -hmm. um you know we had like a lot of upheaval it felt like and then all of a sudden nobody was going to church and i think a lot of people are really um having like a more nuanced and uh challenging relationship with the institution and their. Uh, membership in the institution and their level of activity and so it's it's a really it's a really interesting time and i'm excited i think that uh that this is a great place a great way to talk about these topics so let's talk about it a little bit mary magdalene the 2018 film uh with rooney mara joaquin phoenix um yeah it's 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 a it's a cool film what, what are your, what's your, uh, what are your thoughts on it? I guess
1: <laughs> so many, well, I was first introduced to this film and even just Mary Magdalene as a figure in history by a really close friend. Um, and, you know, didn't really know much about her outside of, I guess what we learn about with, you know, in, in, in Christian faith with, um, the resurrection and being appeared to yes yeah. but like her name barely knew her name. Right. And so this movie, I had no, I had no idea watching it for the first time, you know, what it was even like the story that it was going to tell. I had no idea. Um, and so the film, I mean, just to talk about the film itself, there are many things that I loved, Some things that I didn't love, for example, okay. you know, a white Jesus, it's, yeah. it's time to stop using a white we, Jesus Yes, <laughs> but at this point, like really. It always, um, that's
0: always, we don't, we never, we don't, we never love a white Jesus. No. But, uh, so
1: didn't love that. A um, few other elements. At least things.
0: Phoenix's acting was good though. Yes. I yes. appreciated it, that. As
1: far as like cinematography and filmmaking, which I don't know much about, Tim's the movie buff. I don't, I don't like, know
0: much about filmmaking but I just I like movies. That's yeah. that's as far as my expertise goes. But, but you
1: analyze movies really well and I I'm just I love, you know, the cheesy rom-coms. I don't care how bad <laughs> how bad they're made or whatever, but but yes, I mean very compelling film makes you feel a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um was incredibly eye-opening for me uh as a person with a Christian background yeah. Mormon background had no idea, like I said, about the story. Um, I don't know. What, uh, what do you have anything to add to that? Like generally about the film, I know we're going to get into more specifics. Yeah. Well, I
0: mean, I would love I yeah, I would just love to hear more specifics, like about what, what are like things that you liked or um, just ways that the film like impacted you, like, Mm. you know, in relationship to, to this, to this platform, this specific podcast, we're coming into it with this, like, sort of analytical lens like so what are what are the first things that are popping up for you yeah. i guess in the, we'll start with that like what 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 really feels i guess um what feels like it's the the most relevant thing for you to bring up in response to that. like what what kind of comes up when you when you think of this film in, in regards to that
1: yeah so i think the thing that stuck out to me the most and probably there are probably several people listening to this that have no idea who mary magdalene is outside of the narratives of, you know, Christ appearing to her at the resurrection or the twisted narratives of her being a prostitute, um, being possessed by demons, yeah, so on and so forth. So, you know, this I think the thing that stuck out to me the most in the film and something that I did not know was that Mary was an apostle and was like was on the ministry with Christ Mm-hmm. um, with his other apostles she was she was the only female in that group of apostles that ministered with christ um in the years leading up to the end of his life and and she traveled with him and she baptized and she healed and it was so shocking to me to see a woman in in Christ's narrative doing these things because I just never never even never was taught it obviously, and never even crossed my mind that it it could be a possibility. Um, And so I think, and, and the movie depicts all of these things, The movie shows Mary doing, doing all of these things, baptizing and healing and, and traveling with the apostles. And even, you know, I don't know, just, just the relationship that she had with Christ and the other apostles, you could definitely tell, at least in the depiction of her in the film that she was, Almost like Christ, I don't want to say like right hand would be like his right hand woman, but yeah, but he absolutely was like he definitely told her things that he told no one else.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And and so that was obviously the most shocking part of the movie to me. And the, the thing that I was like, whoa, like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You're telling me that there's been a woman integral. And and also there have been other several women integral to Christ's to Christ's um, story. Uh, and not just the women that he's come to and healed or that he's come to and forgiven or whatever. You know, the common Christian yeah, stories like, about Christ, yeah. like the the adulterer and like the woman the old, at the well. Yeah,
0: and, the woman of Samaria or yeah, whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. like. There are there are women who are leading with Christ. Um, and Mary Magdalene was was obviously, according to the story, and the most prominent yeah, woman. And
0: according to the gospel. Or and her according gospel. to her
1: gospel. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, that's another thing. I mean, the movie doesn't talk about this, but that's another thing. She has her own gospel, which we're gonna get into later. Um so anyway, that that was definitely the most striking thing, and and something that really caused me to uh, I guess, like, reconsider everything I've ever been taught about Christ. Yeah. <laughs> because if there was a woman so integral to his his life and his story and his narrative, why haven't I learned about her, you know? Yeah. And what is that? And then what does that mean for me as a woman who is a Christian woman, a Christ follower or some? You know, that's what I've considered myself growing up in in the LDS faith. We are the Church of Jesus Christ of Life of the Saints. Yeah, I think that's number one, the most striking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing that was really striking to me in the movie was how uh, Christ wasn't meant to be the the center of of the movie. um, But I feel like that by itself
0: was like was weird for me.
1: Christ not being the center. Yeah, like, because yes. you
0: watch, like, I mean, you grow up on all these, like, LDS produced films. And, like, some of the ones that came out, like, I want to say, like, 10 years ago, they were quality, like, they were quality, like, higher quality filmmaking, I felt like. Um, but still, they they all sort of follow the same exact, like, pacing and the same exact, uh, like, presentation style and you know, a very, a very, uh, yeah, just uh, almost feels like sort of a predictable way that it centers on the story and the way that the story unfolds, but to see the Christ story from the point of view of another and that, in that the film really stays pretty loyal to that, uh, frame of, uh, that frame of reference as like, that's like the point of view that the, mm-hmm. that the story is unfolding from. Right. Whereas like you, you, it almost feels like it would have been more natural, for it to like the, for like the point of view to divert and it to be like, okay, now we're seeing everything from Christ's point of view about Mary. Yeah. But it stays loyal and it stays, it's like everything's happening. If this is a story about Mary, Mary's point of view and what Mary does. And I really appreciated that. And it also took me, it also like felt uncomfortable for me yeah. because it's oh, like,
1: yeah. it's. It's just totally, it's totally contradictory. It's totally different. Everything. Yeah.
0: But it also feels, it also almost feels like wrong. Like it's like, wait, like. Christ
1: is supposed to be the center. Yeah. Of everything.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I think that it, it, but I still think the movie like respects, it obviously shows a ton
1: of respect to Christ. Oh, yeah. And, and along those lines, like just the way that they depicted Christ was completely different than I've ever had Christ depicted to me before, whether it be, you know, whether it be an LDS-made film about Christ or or just like a Hollywood-made yeah. film about Christ or even like the narrative, just the way that we speak about his ministry and who he was. The way the movie Mary Magdalene depicted him was completely different.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: And, and to expound more on that, he, yes. the way. That, the, the way and I'm sure you can speak to this too, because we've talked about this. But the way that he is depicted is just so much more human than than previous ways that I've, you know, read yeah. his story or interpreted his story or have viewed his story. Um, for example, many of the times that he's healing in the movie, he's exhausted. He he leaves the healing. Yeah. dead and exhausted. And I feel like previously um in the way that I viewed Christ, it's kind of like he is he is he's part god, right? So he can do literally anything. He's walking on water, he's converting um you know, loaves and fish to feed yeah. multitudes. Like he's doing all of these incredible like unrealistic to humanity yeah. things and and to see him like, exhaust, superhero, like, a, yeah, superhero. like a superhero yeah. exactly like a superhero and to see him like kind of exhausted after healing people was like whoa you know it just made me think more about his human side because in the lds faith i guess i guess we believe that he's he's part god and part human. Yeah,
0: I mean that's that's the general Oh, Christ- that's the general Christian that's, belief. That's right. That's everything. Yeah, but right. I think that just the way that that is interpreted again can like vary because I think that there are pockets of Christianity that have come to really embrace that Christ was either an expression of God or God's son that came to earth and it was really really important that he came to earth as a human and had like a full human experience and and that's almost like inherently sort of butts heads with the also very very central christian and mormon belief that christ was a had a life that was perfect and like this Mm -hmm. idea of perfection right and i think that you know we have to nuance and like reconsider what perfection might mean or what like what even just what what the how that how what it means to be human or what Mm -hmm. it means to be Divine which, and human at the same time, yeah. which I think Mary which does a Mary, really good job. Which Mary
1: Magdalene's gospel talks exactly about. Yeah, you know.
0: And I, I, I was just going to say one thing about the the Jesus thing. Like one of the things I really liked was the emotion that that I felt like this depiction of Jesus brought forth. There was emotions that you don't usually see mm-hmm. depicted in Jesus. Yes. And the I, anger. Are the anger was the a big anger? one. Yeah. Anger was big. Like when he goes to the temple and overthrows mm-hmm. the, you know, the money changers and everything. That's a, a pretty common story that people talk about.
1: Yeah. But
0: like he looked so pissed in this movie. Like yeah. he was like raging. Yeah. Like he, he was like breaking things. He almost
1: and, looked like dissociated. Yeah. Like he, he had even, like he yeah. like he
0: had like snapped. Yeah. And like. I think that even in a lot of depictions I've seen, where he flips the tables and he says some, he you know he he says the lines that he says and and um, he yells at the people, it's still from a very posed point, and it's yeah. not like he's lost control. But in this one, he like he really lost he it. He
1: loses it, yeah. and it's like
0: whoa. And yeah. the other emotion I wanted to touch on too was
1: well, oh, I'll I'll say it after. Okay. I have something on that point.
0: Yeah, but I was just gonna say there's a lot of moments in this one. Where he seems really scared,
1: right? And he
0: seems really fearful and unsure, yeah. and like yeah. he's and he seems very like
1: he seems like he kind of see, he he seems sad.
0: He seems sad, like yeah. He's
1: really sad,
0: and he and he seems anxious. Like yeah. he had there's like this intense anxiety, and yeah. he turns to Mary a lot in that anxiety mm-hmm. to talk to her, yeah, and to like to confide in her and to to to. I mean, it, it's it's a very um, understated in terms of dialogue, the film, I feel like in a lot of ways. So there's not like a ton of like fleshed out dialogue where he's saying these things, but they have a lot of really intimate moments where they're, you know, just sort of in each other's presence Mm -hmm. and, And you know,
1: carrying him.
0: Yeah. And they're both, and and they're, and they're both really excellent actors and I feel like they express a lot of emotion and yeah, she, she does a lot to sustain him. And that is just, it's a radically different idea of who Jesus is, but I think that it, it just it just it just alters the narrative in a, in a certain way that really just opens up a lot of space to to understand how christianity can have a different be a different force in personal lives and in like you know the world in general so
1: yeah.
0: i'll i'll let you I'm sorry i'll let yeah. you get to what you were going to
1: no i just wanted to make i just i thought about with the money changers in the temple i thought about <laughs> how this movie kind of changed I I had a paradigm shift with it because I remember wrestling with that like I feel like that story of Jesus in the temple is the only story at least in like the at least in my history with with LDS faith is like the only story where Jesus is like is like a a radically different emotion than like his Mm -hmm. his usual like superhero like even keel emotion yeah and i remember i was teaching in church to women <laughs> uh, this story and like I, I think i think it was from um for 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 people that aren't members of the church of jesus christ you're of day saints you're not going to know know these references but yeah i'm fine. pretty sure that like his violence and anger was justified in the book, Jesus, the Christ by Talmage, which is like one of our texts, um, and was kind of like flipped on its head by the detail in the story where he like lets go of the bird in the temple. Yeah, it says
0: something about birds, yeah. And
1: so like that is supposed to symbolize how he's like still grounded, even though he was like angry and violent. And, and I think that's like an okay observation, but I, I just think in Mormonism at least, or like, at least in my history of of like the narrative of Christ, like there needed to be some way to like put Jesus back in a box and like put him in a box of no emotion basically. And so that observation or justification of letting the bird go in the temple was like, I don't know, Mormonism's way to like yeah. put Jesus back in a box and be like, oh, you know, no, actually he's he's still this like, yeah. Incredible, you know, incredible godlike person even though in actuality and I think this is what Mary's gospel teaches really well, we can embrace all of those sides of Jesus and they still make him fully divine.
0: Yeah. Um, exactly.
1: Even even like the anger and whatever like perceived violence he he committed in the temple um in that moment. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that I I I agree with that uh that depiction of his emotion was was really intense and and like really eye-opening
0: too. yeah definitely that was it was one of my favorite parts of, of the film definitely i think that next to yeah i just mary mary when mary was baptizing i think was my other favorite part so
1: mm-hmm.
0: those are the those are the parts that just really like You know, they make you that's the thing was my favorite thing about this film is that you go into it and I didn't even know I had such embedded entrenched expectations for what I I think or I thought a depiction of Christ's story ought to look like. Mm -hmm. But I did because there were parts of it that just I like I didn't make me uncomfortable per se, but like I noticed them or like I was just like.
1: Yeah, there was some me, friction.
0: Yeah, it kind of made me cock my head to the side and be like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and that was definitely one of them. As I was watching it, I remember I was just like, "Whoa!" Like, she's she's baptizing. Like, she this is a woman in the water baptizing, mm-hmm. and they're they're showing it on the screen. And like, that shouldn't be a huge deal, but it, it is a big deal, you know. And yeah, it's something that to me, like, it it definitely it definitely brought something up in me. Um, and I think that by the time I watched this film, I was in a place where like, I didn't, I didn't look at it and condemn it or I didn't hold it and say like, oh, that's, that's not real. Mm -hmm. You know, women can't really baptize. That's not a power that they're allowed to have, Mm -hmm. even though that's what the religion would teach me. Right. Um, I kind of was at a place where I was like, well, I I didn't believe that, but I still was, was like, wow, I've never seen this before.
1: Yeah.
0: I've never seen this depiction. Right. Like a
1: visualization of it. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And that's like, and I just can't imagine, and that's me as a freaking, as, 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 a, as a man, mm-hmm. a very privileged man in the LDS space coming into that and, and noticing that and feeling uncomfortable. I can't imagine the experience of women oh. from our church and in many other churches. I can
1: tell you. Seeing
0: that, right?
1: <laughs> it was unreal. Yeah. Like unlocked parts of my being that was like, what? I felt like parts of my being that were like asleep. And dormant mm-hmm. and like, wait a minute, the spiritual authority of women is totally real. And why don't I have it? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this episode is uniquely frustrating to listen to and to record and to publish. At least I find that it is. Maybe you do as well. And maybe there's a few reasons for that that I could talk about here before we move on. I feel like part of the reason it's frustrating to get into this is because it can't be overstated just how powerful religion is and Christianity is. That it's something that motivates people like no other, that pushes people to become uh, different versions of themselves and and to really be motivated to do just about anything. And it just feels like such a powerful force. I find it very frustrating that it is not employed or occupied toward solving a lot of the, the problems and the violence and the oppression that's in the world. And oftentimes is is made to be part of the apparatus that furthers those things and exacerbates that violence and, and perpetuates it whether in a very direct way or simply in the fact that you know we've we have sort of categorized religion in a way in society or categorized Christianity in society in such a way that it is it is not uh, something that is there to transform or to change the structures around us but it's just there to sort of give us relief or to give us to make us feel better Within those systems. And that's not necessarily helpful to solving any of those problems. It reminds me of the Câmara. Elder Câmara has sort of the famous quote, and he's an archbishop from Brazil. And he says, When I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why they're poor, they call me a communist. And in this particular context, obviously, he's using the word communist, um, how it's used violent, that word is used violently against him. And so, I think that's another big piece of the frustration is that, systematically, Christianity the most, and religion in general, has been sidelined from the effort to create more just and peaceful societies and to end the structures that are embedded with violence that are all around us. And that can be really frustrating because I can see the connections as as we dig into and we explore um, new ways of understanding our own religions and we get back to the core of what they might be about, can see how that hasn't always been the case, but the culture and the economy and the political landscape of the last however many hundreds of years or thousands of years have worked to suppress those elements of the religion and of Christianity. And so I think that that, that's just supremely frustrating and that's going to be somewhere where we continue to explore in this podcast. And I think that the last piece of that that just remains frustrating in my mind is just how challenging it is to even approach this topic because no matter what you're always just sort of scratching the surface and there's so much more that could be said and there's so much more that could be considered and in my life so far i feel that in my experiences with studying theology and religion and also just being a deeply religious and spiritual person and being raised that way and being raised in a in a highly um, Orthodox family, this is something that I could go on and on about and something that I just want to keep exploring and keep going deeper and keep going broader in terms of trying to figure this out. But we're on a time limit here at pop violence. And so I'm reminded of one particular moment in that study And in that exploration that I've had in my personal life that I want to share and that was when I was reading a book called Jesus and the Disinherited. And this is a book that was written in 1949 by Howard Thurman. And I read this towards the end of college. In relation to my peace-building studies, and this is at a Latter-day Saint University, Brigham Young University, Hawaii. And so still exploring and and trying to find myself in terms of spiritual uh, progress, but also really trying to understand how I could be a greater force for creating more just and peaceful societies. And Thurman approaches, and Howard Thurman being sort of a, a very major pillar in developing philosophy and theology for numerous social justice movements that took place in the 20th century, including the civil rights movement, Howard Thurman being considered a mentor to to Martin Luther King. He begins his book, Jesus and the Disinherited with a set of questions that really point towards what he's really wondering and what he's really concerned about as he goes into the endeavor. And these are the questions that he poses. Towards the beginning of the book, he says, Why is it that Christianity seems impotent to deal radically and therefore effectively with the issues of discrimination and injustice on the basis of race, religion, and national origin? That's the basic question, and it's a powerful one. And it's sort of a big piece of what I was just talking about with my frustration. Thurman continues. Is this impotency due to a betrayal of the genius of the religion, or is it due to a basic weakness in the religion itself? What is the word of the religion of Jesus to those who stand with their backs against the wall? And I, I feel that this question can be continually and continually and continually explored, especially as we continue to get different ideas of what is the basic religion of Jesus and what is the genius of that religion and where has it been betrayed and where is it just inherently weak. Now, of course, we're approaching these questions and we're approaching this discussion through this lens of the film Mary Magdalene and trying to understand the role of Mary Magdalene greater. And as we explain a little bit more, as I continue my interview with Bailey after this, we'll find that Mary has a lot of things to say that reorient us in terms of what Christianity might actually be and what type of force it originally was and maybe ought to be. In that sort of, in connection with that line of thought, I want to share one quote from Megan Watterson's book, Mary Magdalene Revealed, subtitled The First Apostle, Her Feminist Gospel, and the Christianity We Haven't Tried Yet. It's an excellent book and an excellent study of the gospel of Mary Magdalene, which Bailey's about to explain in a really uh, excellent way. So here's a quote from that book that gives us a little bit of an understanding and maybe something to go off of as we continue this discussion. Megan Watterson says, The cost of taking Christ's full humanity from him is that the importance or even the sanctity of being human has also been stripped from those of us who try to understand his teachings. And the cost of Mary Magdalene's erasure as Christ's partner or companion is spiritual equal even has stripped us of a female model of how the process of human love can unite us from within. So as we continue this interview and this discussion, we're going to explore a little bit more about what does it mean to be human? How does that relate to the power of Christianity, the power of religion in our lives? And like every episode, how does all this bring us back to understanding and wanting and trying to dismantle systems of violence. I want to talk a a little bit more in depth about the, the story of Mary and her role and who she was. And I feel like as we're talking about the film, it, it should be – I don't know if it's abundantly clear or whatever. Or maybe for those listeners who have watched the film this week or have watched it in the past, the, the, a lot of the interactions and the um, scenes in the film that are uh, depicted are not things from the New Testament, right? And, and at, least, at least that I know of. And I feel like I've seen like a ton of films with the new testament. I've read I've read the New Testament uh, several times. And it's also not just stuff that the the filmmakers made up, right? This is stuff a lot of it is based off of things that come from the Gospel of Mary, Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And so that is a, a scriptural text, or a, I guess an ancient text that I guess, we definitely want to give at least some kind of introduction to, so I don't know if you want to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Uh This will be, I guess, a little introduction to her gospel in a nutshell. There's.
0: We're um, not experts. No, we're, we're not experts. Not. Like
1: I, you know, I've only become acquainted and really began studying Mary Magdalene's gospel a year ago. Yeah, probably uh, maybe a little bit over a year ago. And so, yeah, like Tim said, not experts, still trying to absorb all of the information that that comes with her gospel and and the history of her gospel. Um, but just in a nutshell, and of course, there's resources out there that you can learn more about her gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but most scholars agree that the gospel was written in Greek sometime in the second century by Mary Magdalene, and includes writings from you know her ministry with Christ. So. So the gospel itself, uh, includes many, 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 uh, you know, passages from, from Christ's mouth himself, which is amazing. It was buried, uh, in Egypt. I don't think anybody, I can't remember if Megan Watterson knows exactly when it was buried, but um buried in Egypt, I think during... the
0: gu- the guesstimate is right in the fourth century. yeah,-huh
1: right? when... but
0: that and that has a lot to do with the history of Christianity and, and the how... history
1: of patriarchy and the history of women and yes, and you know, lots of records of of women were being destroyed uh, in the rise of patriarchy. Uh, and so her text, her text was buried to be preserved. Um, and they believe uh, it was buried by the Coptic people in in Egypt. Uh, and so her, her gospel has been buried and then, um, d- various fragments of it were found in the 1800s. Um, but what we have translated of her gospel today was found in 1896, um, uncovered in Egypt and the first published writing of it translated and published writing of it was in 1955. So very recent that we have our hands on Mary Magdalene's gospel again, which is really exciting. Megan Watterson is a female theologian.
0: Feminist theologian as well.
1: Is that what I said?
0: You said female theologian. Oh, I
1: meant to say feminist theologian. Um, <laughs> Megan Watterson is a
0: feminist theologian. She is
1: like everything Mary Magdalene. She knows so much about Mary Magdalene and has done so much. Well, yeah, and she has Gospels. the book that
0: has. And
1: yeah, the book that Tim and I are reading and that I've read before is mary magdalene revealed the first apostle her feminist gospel and the christianity we haven't tried yet and she uh pulls a lot of her studies from uh, other scholars such as dr karen king and cynthia Burgeau, who have their own published writing about mary magdalene um, and own translations so so uh there's some there's some (laughs) scholarly texts out there on mary magdalene um yeah for sure since 1955 and it is phenomenal i don't know i hope i covered yeah enough of her of her gospel for now but there's so much to learn about her. here it's is. like it's like i wish i wish that this podcast could be like 10 hours long because there's just so much to talk about but
0: oh, we could do a whole season um, uh, we, just really, on this. we
1: really could well, actually so... we, we
0: probably shouldn't because we don't we're actually not experts yeah. so.
1: <laughs> but there's just i mean it's just so it just is like Earth shaking and bone rattling. It's it's phenomenal. So yeah, but you it, know we're only yeah, gonna be powerful yeah, stuff. It's, it's powerful, really powerful. And stuff. we're gonna only be touching on like the surface of it here in this podcast. So yeah. if you really want to like, especially if you're a woman or you know, someone that doesn't identify necessarily as a woman either, um, maybe somebody that's been, you know, marginalized by Christianity, this book is is so so wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And it, and, it, and it fits into a, a larger umbrella as well as what they call the Gnostic Gospels, which were all yes. Gospel of Thomas, of Philip, mm-hmm. um, the Thunder Perfect Mind. Yeah. And those are all these other ancient texts that were not, I mean, I mean, and this is the most simplistic way to put it, they were not canonized into the original compilations of the Bible. Um, for specific reasons, for specific yes. motives, yes, that were attached to what Christianity was becoming in the fourth century, with Constantine, and really Christianity be going from sort of this radical and very um, horizontally oriented and very uh, inclusive and sort of love and 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 uh people centered religion to the religion of the empire the roman empire mm-hmm. and sort of becoming this religion that was somehow going to be amenable to the intense hierarchy oppression imperialism uh yada yada etc yada, etc cetera, et cetera, right and so with that shift and also when with that comes the major shift towards the patriarchal side of it too
1: yeah yeah and obviously mary's gospel gives tons of power and spiritual authority to women and the Christianity that was rising in the fourth century yeah. had no room for women to lead or for women to have power or spiritual. Authority.
0: And a lot of that has to do with the fact that that's how, that's how Roman society was set up. Yes, Right. So it was Christianity yes. was changed, was changed in order to fit into the, the, the way the empire was built, Yeah, which was, there was a hierarchy of mm-hmm. how, how much power or Mm -hmm. how much certain people's lives mattered. Mm -hmm. And women were, were very close to the bottom of that hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Can we talk about these things together? I want to talk about how, in what ways Mary and Mary's gospel are powerful, meaningful and disruptive of systems of violence. But I also, I also want to hold space for and talk about how, how, christianity and religion in general create and perpetuate violence mm-hmm. right so i i wondering if we i don't know how we can sort of talk about both but um does that make sense
1: yeah yeah
0: so what are your thoughts
1: oh, man that this is like a real these are really loaded questions well
0: yeah it's it's so hard and, and you can be as personal as or as yeah, not personal as you want like yeah. i feel like for me It's easy to default to not talking personally and talking on like more macro scales, probably because I haven't experienced a lot of, you know, violence towards me as an individual.
1: Right. Right. Um,
0: And so whatever you're comfortable with.
1: Well, I think I just also, before I get into it, want to acknowledge, especially with Christianity and religion in general, uh, for many demographics of people, religion and even Christianity, though, especially Christianity has been historically very violent uh, has also been um, kind of a lifesaver for, for a lot of groups of people.
0: Yes, Um, definitely.
1: You know, particularly like people of color and, um, you know, traditionally marginalized groups. Uh, So just want to acknowledge the paradox there with religion and Christianity uh, before I, Delve into. Yeah, never want
0: to. I would never want to invalidate. You know those positive <laughs> yes, experiences, and yes. also the power that people have found in in the biblical story and yes. in you know the role of Christ. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um. Gosh, I don't even know where to start. I. I guess. I guess maybe I'll start with. <laughs> well, you can describe I feel like a little bit. This is going to uh... be like really personal because, of course, I grew up in a very patriarchal faith and, uh, as a woman Mm -hmm. in a patriarchal faith, I've experienced a lot of violence towards myself, whether that be, uh, systemic, cultural, or even direct violence. Um, and so there's definitely a lot I could say. So, so with Mary Magdalene's gospel, I think one of the most profound pieces of her gospel is um, what she calls anthropos, and um, it is what it means to be a true human being, someone who is fully human and someone who is also fully divine. And Megan Watterson really fleshes this out a lot uh, with the verses from from Mary's gospel, the ancient text, um, but essentially. In Mary Magdalene's gospel, and even with the contributions from Jesus Christ, the passages in her gospel that we have from Jesus Christ, we are only fully divine when we are embracing both our physical body and like all of our humanness, as well as what's below our our ego, um, our our true like soul and heart, um, and and what's inside of our body, and. And on top of that, um, or I guess what comes with that is, is inherent spiritual authority, um, and this inherent ability for every single human, fully divine human on earth, um, to, to have this spiritual authority to essentially, you know, communicate with the divine, um, and have like an inner, almost like an inner compass um, that leads and grounds and guides each individual person. Um, Yeah. No, like completely not dependent on any outside authority. This is like only something that's captured within. Um, Yeah. And
0: it's like, it's almost like it's not even communicating with the divine, but it's just finding the divine within.
1: Yeah. Finding exactly. That's a better, that's a better way to put it. Finding the divine within that, like, we, yes, we are all fully divine and we have the capacity to, um, unlock those pieces of ourselves and, and, and have the spiritual authority, uh, doesn't like, and, and like another piece of that is, you know, with the fully human and fully divine being, um, our humanness is essential to being able to, to unlock that spiritual authority within, Um, it's not that at least in, in my faith, I was taught, you know, that the body is flawed and the body is, you know, it's really like the spirit that we're trying to get to, um, within the body to become perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, the body, you know, the body is carnal or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so with Mary's gospel, it was really impressive to me that, she's saying that, no, we need all of the humanness, all of the messiness, all of the, all of the urges and desires and everything that comes with being a human and having a human body. We need that in order to unlock spiritual authority. Um, and so I think that lays like a really good foundation for maybe some of the paradigm shifts that I've had coming out of Mormonism, especially as a woman, um, you know, as a woman in the Mormon faith, we're caught we're taught to cover up and to bridle our quote unquote, bridle our passions and, and basically like keep the pieces of human body that are least desirable in a very sanitized context hidden. Um, And so that's really violent towards women Mm -hmm. and, and not only women like, Every human, but especially, you know, the marginalized groups, queer people uh, as well. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and so I think with the paradigm shifts of Mary's gospel, I've more fully embraced my human body and, you know, all of the things that come with it and have really leveraged, like, my entire being in my journey of spirituality and in my journey of like becoming connected with, with the divine and also like the divine with, within Um, hopefully that all made sense, but yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that that's one way at least that Mary Magdalene's gospel has caused me to resist certain violent narratives and practices of my LDS Christian faith Um, and I think that some of those narratives about bodies and humanness, um, are reflected in Christian faiths. I mean, purity culture, like, yeah, of course it's reflected in Christian faiths all over the globe. Um, but like I said, I'm speaking from my personal experience with the Mormon faith. Yeah. Um, so that was really significant for me.
0: Yeah, that's, um, I'm wondering if we should talk a little bit about the ego as well. I think that, Mm -hmm. I think that it's, yeah, it's essential to understand what like what Mary means. I don't, I don't fully understand it. I feel like what she means when she says ego, but I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think maybe we should talk about that a little bit more too, though.
1: Yeah. So I, I think I understand this a little bit more. Um, The ego is, is a part of the humanness that Mary Magdalene's gospel talks about. Um, and it's it's the ego is what we need to be human. You know, it's it helps us eat, it helps us, you know, it's almost like do the essential yeah, functions. It's of almost being like your survival instincts. Like you right? yes, your survival instincts, like we need an ego. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not ego, I guess, like in the way that we may understand it, like
0: Uh, like egotistical like
1: egotistical or even although although
0: it can become that
1: yeah or it can become that or even like um who is it is it freud yeah freud's theory of like the ego and And the id id and all this stuff it's 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 totally defined differently in her gospel um but yeah it's like the survival the survival instincts of of humanness yeah um and so we need the ego but I think if I understand it correctly, Mary Magdalene's gospel, um, she speaks about how the ego can, can hinder our ability to, to get to the new or, you know, the eye of the heart and to sink into that and to see through that. Yeah. Um, New is Greek for the eye of the heart. I didn't define that. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I think what she's explaining is that there's a balance that needs to be had between the ego and sinking deeper inside into our spirit and soul or, or the new, the eye of the heart. Um, and, and we, we can't allow the ego to, to get in the way of that. Um, mm-hmm. Both, but both are essential. Both are essential yeah. to, to being fully divine.
0: Yeah. I just, I love it because it's so, you know, I think that in my, in my recent, in the last couple of years, I've well, in the last many years, like even since I was a missionary, I've just always been like really, not to quote but anxiously engaged. I've been really like, I've just been really tenaciously trying to like always get a better like basic understanding of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll put that in quotes or like all caps, the gospel. And I feel like I in the last couple years, since I studied a little bit at the biblical seminary at Eastern Mennonite and was able to read some really great texts. uh, One in particular that was really um, powerful and impactful to me was by Randy Woodley, um, who is uh, a um, pastor and theologian um, that's from the Cherokee nation. And he talks a lot about, this the christian capacity as the religion of empire and later the religion of the west during the time of enlightenment and the time of the age of reason and things like that that it it fell into a lot of uh, or it was it was infused with a lot of these philosophies um that were not necessarily philosophies of the primitive church, meaning like the the church of the first couple centuries, the church that Christ maybe, or I wouldn't even call it a church, but the the movement that Christ was mm-hmm. a part of, mm-hmm. and I feel like um, I've I've really sort of honed in on a lot of these sort of philo- philosophical or um, I guess just like really worldview based ways of understanding uh, the theology or the cosmology or just the the belief systems that are out there, and um, I just I I find it so endearing and exciting, but also challenging that so many elements of Mary's gospel are so inherently uh, like holistic mm-hmm. and paradoxical, yeah. and they really disrupt the dualism and yes. the and the categorical thinking that is that feels very normal and natural um, to the Western mind and therefore to the Christian mind, mm-hmm. and And I just, I love how it just really shatters those. And it's like this idea of like, we need it, but we don't need it. We need it. And, you know, just everything about the the relationship between the ego and the new and what it means to be fully human and fully divine. It's so not dualistic.
1: Yeah.
0: And I just find that like, it's just, it's just very refreshing.
1: It's liberating. It's super liberating. It's completely liberating. Yeah. And, and. And I, you know, and there's a passage in there. This is another thing that's like very disruptive, especially to (laughs) my context in the Mormon faith, um, where I think it's Peter asks Christ, you know, what is, I think it's Peter, what is the nature of sin? And Christ tells Peter that there is no such thing as sin. Um, And, you know, Growing up in, I mean, and I think this is reflective, again, in many religions, uh, you know, sin, sin is like always hung over your head, or at least in my experience, it was. Yeah. Um, and it's very dualistic, like you said, Um, you're either doing something good, that's inviting of the spirit, or you're doing something bad, that's, yeah. that's driving away the spirit in terms, in terms of, you know, uh, that's like in the context of the LDS faith, the yeah. faith, the, the terminology that they use.
0: Um, I, I want you to continue, but I just want to say as well, like, I think that sin is also equated with crime often
1: oh, and it's, yeah. it's
0: equated with like a violation. You've, you've done a violation and it's very similar to our legal system, the way that it's, well, con- it's conceptualized. Ins- it's
1: inspired our legal system, right? The pu- the punitive yeah. justice.
0: Well, well, and that's, and I think that's where it's, it also gets flipped on its head is that we would think that. Mm-hmm. But really I th- it's the other way around that the the the, the, the mm. justice the, the idea of the punitive justice and the and the categorical or the categorizing of people as, as criminals or whatever was something that really existed in, in the empire and mm. was then was then project projected back onto the Christian idea of God.
1: Gotcha.
0: Um but I want you to keep going with what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and and so that idea of there being no such thing as sin. And, and of course, there's an explanation to that. <laughs> it's like a really like shocking. I've wanted to like do an Instagram post cause I post a lot of my like faith journeying on Instagram. i wanted to do one where it just says like, and Christ said, there's no such thing as sin <laughs> and how disruptive that is yeah. because yeah, like I said, like sin, it, at least in my context, and can be reflected in a lot of other people's context with religion, is is held over your head, and, um, you know, there's a criteria based on your actions, whether or not you're sinning, of of privileges that you can have within the church. Um, and growing up, I can't even tell you how many times I spent in in the bishop, who is like the if you're not Mormon, the the pastor, the pastor of, of the congregation. Yeah. Um, you know, spending hours in his office, repenting of my sins (laughs) and, um, how liberating it was to read that from Christ, um, and to really understand more, like, I guess the, the non-dualistic idea of no sin and the more like holistic paradoxical idea of no sin and what that means for me and what that means for my projection in life and who I am and how I'm connected to to god um it's very very disruptive yeah definitely <laughs> very powerful um i don't know if i should explain what what he means by there's no such thing as sin but just to explain it a little bit, it goes back to what I was saying about us being like holistically and fully divine, our humanness, everything that comes with our humanness, as well as, you know, our, our souls. Um, and, and because, you know, because the, because both of those things are needed to become fully divine and to become, you know, to have spiritual authority, there's no such thing as sin because, because we need, we need the ego. We need the body.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's so there's no violation. There's no crime against right. some some higher order. Right. But there's just there's just you know there's just spiritual progress and becoming more integrated, right? Yeah. And becoming more uh, becoming closer to being fully divine, and fully I mean, yeah, like really or f- and, being closer to embracing that or yes. or feeling that.
1: Yes, and and the sin, quote unquote, the sin. Christ explains happens when we forget that. Yeah. When we forget, when we forget that we need all of us to be Yeah. fully divine. That's, that's where quote unquote sin happens.
0: And Mary says that, 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 that forgetting is, is tied to these seven different expressions of the ego, where we get caught up in one of those expressions, one or more of those expressions mm-hmm. of the ego, whether it's like, I think, what are they like? Mm-hmm. There's like anger and lust yeah. and, and, yeah. and greed and laziness whatever
1: but but those are still it, it's the a things par- that the we paradoxical need. thing is still they're still essential yeah but we can't get stuck on them yeah on need... on our journey to the heart yes to the to the eye of the heart but getting yeah.
0: lost and forgetting yeah. what we're doing forgetting yeah. who we are yes. in that process or yes. in those experiences yes is what yes. christ is saying that we we are we we need to remember who we are yes right and re- yes. reconcile that and
1: that, yeah, it's, that is that is so disruptive yeah. to the Christianity idea of of sin versus no sin.
0: And 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 I, I mean, we don't have the time to do it here, but I think the the work I think that could be done through like a podcast like this, and the goal of this podcast would be to then take that and to tie to try to like to try to connect the dots between how Christianity has rejected you know, in the fourth century and since rejected a gospel similar to what Mary wrote about and has embraced these other sorts of precepts and religious systems and things and try to connect the dots. To like, how is that? Like, how, how, how does, how does it become so violent? How does yeah. it, how does it do all the, the, the things that it does? And like I said, we don't really have the time to get into all that right now, but I think that that's something that we all have to figure out for ourselves in a lot of ways because it is it is a little bit more sensitive with religion than with some other things because it is so personal and spirit the spiritual and the sacred are such ambivalent things
1: mm-hmm.
0: um that I think it, it's hard to fully uh tie it down.
1: Yeah.
0: And to get a full wrap on it. But yeah it's it's frustrating in a lot of ways though. It's extremely yeah. frustrating.
1: Yeah, oh, I wish we had time to touch on more of the violence. I feel like we were very like theological. Um, <laughs> but these things like lay the foundation for for what we would talk about in the disruption of violence of Christianity um, while also acknowledging all of the violence, at least in my context, well, Christianity in general, and in my context of the LDS faith, the violence that, that the faith has caused towards... A lot all, of people. All, yeah. Queer people, people of color, indigenous people, black people, you name it. A- any marginalized group.
0: Just the hoarding of wealth. The, just yeah, the, the general. Capitalism,
1: the ableism. The general
0: violence of that.
1: Everything. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to acknowledge and there's a lot to name. Uh, and I'm obviously in that process. I'm not, um, you know, I've distanced myself from the faith uh, for many of those reasons. Um, But Mary Magdalene revealed this book and and Mary's gospel has been integral in me finding my own spiritual authority as a woman and, you know, being connected to staying connected to the divine, even through a complete loss of my religion. Yeah.
0: Good job. We're kind of going pretty far on time here. So. I feel I feel a little bit bad that we haven't really been able to dive into maybe some of the the messier sort of nitty-gritty parts of of what that violence is and what the violence looks like. And and, you know,
1: we're just gonna have to do a part two because there's a lot to touch on. There's so (laughs) So much. (laughs)
0: There's so much. And and hopefully hopefully in what we have talked about though, as as sort of my own experience in watching the film there were parts where I felt uncomfortable or I felt like there was things that really raised my eyebrows. Um, I hope that those who are listening even here that is, if there's been moments for you as you've been listening to us talk about this, that you've had like that, where you've sort of raised your eyebrows or you've sort of like, you know, I don't know, maybe cringed a little bit or, or had any kind of those, those kinds of reactions. I hope that you can, uh, follow that thread a little bit and think about a little bit of our own, exp- your own experience of religion and how religion um, has impacted you. Because I think that, you know, just generally, I don't, I don't feel, uh, although I think that it's very nuanced and we've talked about a little about, a little about this, how religion has been it, and is so positive in so many people's lives and has been positive in my life and is positive in a lot of ways still. um I feel pretty confident in saying that as you follow those threads back, you will find, you know, ways that, ways that religion is violent, um, or spiritual, the spirit, the, the ways that spirituality has been constructed, um, can be very violent, um, systemically, structurally, culturally. Um, so that's what I want to, I guess, sort of throw out there for people to think about and, um, you know, take and and sort of do some some work there, I guess, in regards to interpreting this um this review of uh Mary Magdalene. Do you wanna add anything to that?
1: Yeah, I just want to bear my testimony that (laughs) I know this gospel is true. Stop it. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Uh yeah, I just gosh, there's so much to say. I think I think I just want to acknowledge that not everything i said was perfect and obviously my for- yes it is it is
0: perfect it is perfect it's you
1: <laughs> well my formulation and articulation of all of this is is still you know very fresh and i'm working through it and it's going to be obviously yeah. a lifelong endeavor um but thank you for listening to things you know we had to say and and on top of that uh if there's anyone that's interested in discussing more about Mary Magdalene or your faith journey or all of the above (laughs) Uh, or other things (laughs) or anything, literally anything, please reach out to myself. Um, Hopefully Tim will put in the show notes, like my Instagram handle or anything um, because I love finding solidarity and commonality with other people. um, And I'm really interested in carrying this, this um, conversation Further, And if there's also any feedback or, you know, things that I should be aware of, please don't hesitate to reach out about those things as well. Um, I'm so happy to learn. Uh, And, yeah, just just want to say that Mary Magdalene's gospel has been the single most impactful piece of my faith journey, especially my faith journey out of Mormonism. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for listening. Thank you
0: thank yeah, thanks everybody.